0: Well, good morning, Cherryville, and good morning to all those online. I have just been so excited about being here. It has been three and a half years since I've sat through a service in this sanctuary. I can't believe it. It is so exciting to be here. I want to give a little shout out to all the women out there who choose to make a difference in the lives of people all around them. Because our influence on the next generation does not depend on our DNA. It's about serving God wherever he plants us. Amen? Amen. Well, speaking of DNA, I have a question for you. I'm wondering if there's anybody else here that has taken one of those DNA tests to discover their heritage. Has anybody? Oh, I see quite a few hands. I think it's really interesting, as a matter of fact. Now, out of those, how many received a response that they never saw coming. There, there was a, results. Uh, there's a few. I think that happens pretty often. So I want to share my surprise. A number of years ago, uh, our daughter had gotten this started, and we found out I am 13% Ashkenazi Jewish. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. So I laugh because I stand before you, a female... Part Jewish, Wesleyan, Pennsylvania Dutch, ordained minister. I don't know what it is. It's some kind of a hybrid, but you know what? God uses whatever we give him, right? So here we are. Now, the Jewish part makes sense now because we learned that my maternal grandmother, her mother, so my great-grandmother, came here from Budapest. So my grandparents came here from Budapest, And then eventually, my maternal grandmother and grandfather started attending this church 90-plus years ago. So we have a very deep heritage here. I love the place. I love the people. But if you were to have asked my dad, hey, what's your heritage? I don't think he would have even talked about the nationality. I'm pretty sure he would have gone to one of his favorite stories, and that is our 10-generation of believers in the Heisler family. To the best of my understanding, I'd be ninth generation Christian and our siblings' kids would be the 10th generation. But I didn't earn this privilege of standing here today because of my heritage. I am neither Jewish nor Christian because of my DNA. You see, God has given me a unique spiritual journey with him, and I am responsible for feeding that journey of faith in him. If we are to grow in faith, it starts by replacing a heart of sin with a heart of righteousness and we humble ourselves before him every day and allowing the Holy Spirit to make us reflect Jesus. But it is not about rules and regulations. It's about developing habits and manners, attitudes, words, and actions that reflect Jesus. And John Wesley was really big on preaching about this because he said that inward transformation should be resulting in an outward expression of continued obedience. So, this Christian maturity, this growth that we're talking about today, it's not simply a destination we get to and we're done, it is a journey to a destination. It is that journey when we finally see Jesus face to face and he makes us whole and perfect. But until then, we can have a perfect intent in our faith and how we live it out. So here's a couple warm-up questions just to get our minds thinking. Ask yourself, where am I in my spiritual journey? Or maybe you want to ask yourself, where am I in the spiritual genealogy of my family? Now, as I was preparing and thinking through this portion of my message, Pastor Justin last week shared that he is third-generation Christian in his family. And in this chapter of 2 Timothy that we heard read earlier, we learned that Timothy was a third-generation Christian. And there he was, third-generation, but he was being taught by Paul, who was first-generation Christian. Here I stand, ninth-generation. And there might be somebody listening who says, Pastor Kathleen, I have zero influence in my path, and I'm not even sure where I stand. But see, here's the good news, because we all have room for growth when we turn to Jesus Christ. We all have room for growth in our faith, because growing in faith occurs every time we recognize and we obey the call of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So here's how my mind works in developing a sermon. I kept thinking, growing in faith, faith, what is faith? If I were to speak to someone who had no spiritual background, no no church background, what might they think faith means? And my husband laughs because every time we have a a conversation of some kind, I'll sing a song that goes with it. I just, song lyrics kind of come into my head. So I'm thinking about faith and how many 1980s music kids do we have in the house today? (laughs) A lot of them are in the house, right? So of course, because I'm a 1980s kid, the first song I thought of was George Michael's Faith. Lyrics not worth repeating, but the gist of it is he's going to leave one meaningless relationship in faith that he finds a better one. That's called dreaming, all right? That's not biblical faith. But then Eric Clapton came right out and said it in his running on faith. He said, if we're running on faith, all our dreams are going to come true. No, they won't. <laughs> no because apart from that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our lives are in vain. Scripture calls it a chasing of the wind, growing in faith. So I'm doing something a little different today. Woven throughout my message is a story, true story, of a woman who grew in faith in ways that we will probably never experience or fully understand. In November of 1989, a 17-year-old Vietnamese girl, her name was Mai, M-A-I, Mai, she and her older brother were given some coins by their father and were told to escape Vietnam in order to receive an education because their dad's greatest dream was for them to be educated and receive knowledge. But little did they know, for the next five years, they would be in these deep, deplorable, brutal refugee camps. It was in those deep, dark places that God was preparing the soil to plant the seed in my. She was coming from a strict traditional Buddhist culture where they were taught to worship their ancestors. But God was calling her on a new journey of faith. So our first definition of faith today would be faith is a gift from a loving God. Ephesians 2, 8 reminds us that it is by grace we have been saved through faith, and it is not of ourselves. In other words, you can't make it, you can't create it, you can't manipulate it. It is a gift from God. That faith is what forgives our sin and gives us entry into a relationship with Him, A church word might be justification, where we acknowledge it, we accept it, we allow it to change our lives. But it might surprise you if I said, that faith is not the end goal of our church. No, because it's the beginning. It's the beginning. And verse 9 in 2 Timothy today even pointed it out. He said, for God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. There's two parts to that faith. But it is the starting point. It's meant to be a catalyst to a deeper growing relationship that produces fruit. Now, if I were to give an illustration, I brought along an avocado pit, and if I were to plant this, I brought a little planter along, and if I were to plant this in here, and I would just walk away and expect to come back in four or five years and find fruit, that is not how it works. But this is an important step. But it is just the starting point. Meanwhile, Mai and her brother were on a boat escaping Vietnam, headed for Hong Kong, but they were rejected at the port. They were sent to a refugee camp. And for the next year, they were transferred from one to the other. And in one year, they were headed to their fourth camp. This time, it was a punishment camp criminals. Surprisingly, they had a chapel at this prison camp, and one day Mai was walking around, she peeked in a window, and she saw a red cross banner inside, and on it was written, for God so loved the world. She said, oh, that's a new God. I'm going to put it on my list just to make sure I'm praying to all the gods. But the next day, she said she woke up And she couldn't shake this thought. Does that God really love me too? So she went back to the chapel because they had a shelf of books. And she pulled out a little book. And in it she read this sweet story of a young mom named Mary who gave birth to a special baby named Jesus. And it sparked something in her. So she decided to attend the services that were offered there. And ultimately, she decided to put all those other gods away and worship Jesus only. Friends, that was the seed planted in my, at that moment, seed planted. But the next phase of faith, we might say that faith is the evidence of a living God. You see, that's where we begin to hear him and to see his hand at work, and we start sensing something's happening But we often don't understand it, we don't see it, and we can't quite understand what he's doing, but Hebrew 11 reassures us that that faith is evidence of things we cannot see. If you're in a season where you don't understand what's going on, have faith in the evidence of what you cannot see. You might compare it to this germination phase. You've planted the seed. You can't really see what's going on, in that pot, but somehow God has created this miraculous process where there's a spark of life that something's starting to happen in there, even though we can't quite see it yet, it, yet it is in that deep, dark soil that God creates life, and God plants seeds of faith in our own hearts that begin to crack open, and we begin to see truth, and we begin to experience him in new ways that we never would if we didn't let him plant that seed in our hearts, The unseen work of God often takes place in those dark areas of our lives. I mean, reflect on that. When did you learn the greatest lessons in your life? When did you grow the most in your faith? Often during those quiet, dark times of waiting. that's when he begins to reveal this light. And that seed of faith starts crying out to be connected to him and to be fed during those times. And it's the word of God that is essential in this phase because it is that light that we need. It is that food to our bodies. It's like water to our souls. We need to feed ourselves with this word of God because if we are only getting this out on Sundays, we are starving all week long. We need to be in the Word, and we cannot and will not grow without it. You see, the Christian music and self-help books and podcasts and devotionals and our mentors, they are fantastic tools to help us along the way, but nothing can replace getting into the Word. It's why we call it the living Word, and Pastor often uses the phrase, when we read it, it reads us. That's living Word. It is faith being fueled by the Holy Spirit through his word. And Mai knew that. Mai learned that. She was reading many, many months later in Hebrews 13, and she came across this verse that said, let's go outside the camp, and it's in reference to following Jesus' example. But the Lord spoke to her in a very unique way through that phrase, let's go outside the camp. Now, she was literally weeks away from freedom after five years And she went to her friends and she went to her brother and she said, God told me something through that scripture. When it said, let's go outside the camp, she said, I'm supposed to go back to Vietnam and share Jesus. Of course, they called her crazy, they called her insane. Her brother started to reject her, and there was one woman who was especially harsh on her in those moments but she didn't apologize for her faith. Instead, the woman that was very harsh came back to her a day or two later and said, I apologize because you're right. God is calling me to go back to Vietnam too. So they went back to what Mai called the depths of the darkness of Vietnam. And she very proudly told everyone, God has now given me new dreams. My new dream is to share the love of Jesus Christ with my countrymen. And it still didn't make sense to them. But we know from Isaiah 55:8, the Lord reassures us: uh-uh, my thoughts are your, not your thoughts. Even when you don't understand it, God has a plan. Have you ever tried to explain that kind of faith to someone? You might have been met with a, a blank stare or maybe a slow blink. <laughs> have you ever witnessed a discussion on social media about theology? That goes well. You know, it actually spirals very quickly into harsh attitudes and words. Not that anybody here would do that, but please don't ever get caught up on that. And this is why I'm saying that, because even though my knew it was from God, others did not understand it. And Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that the person without the Spirit, without the seed planted, they cannot accept it. They cannot understand it. Because they don't have the seed of faith planted. They can't synthesize the light of God in the same way. It can be discerned only by those who have accepted by faith the Lord into their lives. But here's the good news. Even in those moments, and you all may have someone in mind, you're thinking, yeah, I I just can't get through to that person. Here's an opportunity for you to grow. We can all grow by praying for them in faith that God, his spirit, will break through that his light will break through, pray believing that God will do a saving work in their lives. So God plants the seed. The Holy Spirit feeds our soul. We start seeing evidence on the inside that there's a living God working in us, and then it begins to work through us. And that's what takes us to our third definition, is faith is a response to God's love. Faith is a response to God's love. You see, in 2 Timothy... Paul is talking to Timothy about his faith, but he's not trying to convince him that he needs to accept the saving faith. He already did it. He's not trying to convince him that God is real. He already knows it. But what he was telling Timothy is that your response to God's love is what's pouring out of you spontaneously. Timothy probably had wonderful attitudes of devotion toward God and his habits and the example that he sent to others because Paul recognized it and he said I saw it in your grandmother I saw it in your mother and now I'm seeing it in you and he called it depending on your translation genuine authentic and if we said that today we might tell somebody hey dude you got the real deal life-changing faith because I can see it in the way you are touching the lives of others. And it's at this point that I think we need to take a closer look because I would love to tell you at this point where that starts to come to life, ah, it's all sunshine, we made it. Nope. <laughs> life is not all sunshine at that point because Timothy was obviously struggling. That's why Paul was writing to him to help him grow through this hard moment. We understand that Timothy had possibly a very timid personality. He might have been intimidated in these moments of his leadership. He was younger than most of the leaders. And he was administering the gospel to a group of people, see if this sounds familiar, a group, a culture that wasn't particularly interested in hearing the truth of God. But Paul reminded Timothy of something that is applicable to us today when we feel ourselves in those moments and we might start getting timid and we might retreat and we start seeing less fruit in our lives, Paul points Timothy back to the source. Because after chapter 1, if we go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, in the first verse, he tells Timothy, draw your strength from the grace that is Jesus Christ. He's telling Timothy, refuel. Refuel. Feed your soul. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to give you the power and the love and the self-discipline that you need to keep going. See what God can do. So my, she returned to her hometown. She was promptly rejected by her parents, her community. She was kicked out. Again trying to share the truth of God with people who weren't in particular interest, had any particular interest in it. If you know someone like that, Mai handled this very well because she said in those moments where she was rejected, she clung stubbornly to reading the Scriptures and spending hours in prayer. She connected then with believers in Saigon who began to mentor her and feed into her to teach her. And she said it was in those teaching moments that she looked back at the five years of persecution that she had gone through, and she called them now training ground. The dark years in her life, she said, strengthened her faith and prepared her to train others. And according to her, and I love this phrase because it works so well for today, she said God planted in her heart A passion to see them won over to Christ. And when they see Christ clearly in us, they trust Christ easily. Friends, that's a holiness life seed planted, seed nurtured. Now it's beginning to produce fruit, it's glorifying God and it's blessing others. A life of faith. A few weeks back, Dave and I took a flight to Florida to visit our daughter and her family. And I always download a movie on my Kindle to fill that two and a half hour flight down to Florida. So we were in the air, I was about 10 minutes into my movie when I realized this movie was about an air flight that went very badly. Pause. <laughs> Put that away. I'll watch that when I get home. And I did. And it was a fantastic movie. And I'm so glad I did. Spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movie. It's called On a Wing in a Prayer. It's the true story of a man named Doug White. Dennis Quaid played that role. In 2009, on Easter Sunday morning, Doug White, his two teenage daughters, and his wife got in this private plane with one pilot, and they never saw it coming. Midway through that flight, that pilot suddenly passed away. And there was Doug, the visitor in the cockpit. Now, he had taken some flying lessons, And apparently, all of his teachers said he had zero landing skills, but there he was. And he tried to land the plane and it didn't work. And he had a failed attempt and they were back in the air and he was fearful. He was in the darkest place of his life. And control towers on both ends were trying to figure out how are we going to coach him down? And eventually, of course, the communications were completely lost because there was a storm. But it was in that moment that one of the trainers, one of the coaches had an idea. He found the cell number of the deceased pilot, called that cell number. They were able to answer the phone to reconnect the coach with Doug. And I wrote down a small part of the conversation that followed. Carrie, the coach, said, Doug, I know you don't know me. You can't see me, but I'm here to help you. Believe in me. Doug said, I don't think that's going to happen. He was totally panicked. I got blown off the runway. I can't control this thing. And Carrie calmly said, yes, you can. We've come this far. You're almost there. And here's the line. Sometimes you've got to trust in things you cannot see. And in those moments, Doug decides to put his faith in this person he has never seen. In the darkest moment of his life, and despite the storms and the winds, he listened and he obeyed. He landed the plane, and everyone considered it a miracle. Now in that moment, I think they take a little creative license because Doug was sitting in the plane reflecting on what had just happened, and he's imagining his recently deceased brother sitting with him, whom he loved very much. And he hears his brother telling him this story. Hey, Doug, you remember when we were little and we borrowed Dad's truck and you were driving and you didn't let me coach you how to drive and we ended up in the lake? Remember that? And here's what he said. Doug, thank God for growth. (laughs) Thank God for growth. Because Doug, once considered hopeless when it came to landing a plane, is now a certified multi-engine commercial pilot flying relief missions to Haiti and Belize and working with the Veterans Airlift Command. Thank God for growth. And what happened to Mai? Well, Mai, she is married. She has a daughter that is now second-generation Christian. She and her husband founded Jesus in Vietnam Ministries. She preaches and trains. She's been involved in ministries, helping orphans and homeless children. Thank God for growth. Because growing in faith occurs every time that we recognize and obey the call of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's ask ourselves, am I teachable? In what areas am I being asked to grow? How am I feeding my soul on a regular basis? Not just on Sunday mornings. Are others seeing the fruit in my life? And as we think on these things, I close with this thought that I read in a devotional recently. This initial faith makes us his. Continued faith. Keeps us his. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of faith that allows us to know you. Stir our hearts. Let's not be satisfied with just taking that first step, but to seek to go deeper with you. Don't let us be complacent, but help us to grow in you so that your light can shine in us and through us and that we can make a difference in the lives of, of those that we touch. May all we do and all we say glorify you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.